just go on the tour and verbally abuse the oh tour yeah guides with them. for telling lies. <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell them we said yeah. you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We'd end up like Kenny, who's banned from Zach Bagan's museum. We'll get banned from the Winchester. Yeah, I want to at least be inside of the house before we yeah. get banned from it. Yeah. I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this episode, we are joined by Karen Stoles now of the Monster Talk podcast to discuss a topic we are super excited about and that Paige has been asking for for a long time, <laughs> uh, the Winchester Mansion. So Karen has joined us for a couple of episodes now, um, and she's always so much fun to have on our show. So welcome back. We're super excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, and I love this topic. Yay! Well, yeah, because we're very excited about it. And like I, like Megan said, I've been talking about it for a long time, and now Megan is equally excited about it. So <laughs> I am <Cool>. very excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Karen, we are going to do something spooky, which I forgot to remind you about, but now you know. But first, do you want to just remind our listeners some of what you've been working on, where they can find you, all that stuff? Yeah. Um. So I, as you mentioned, I am one of the hosts of the Monster Talk podcast, along with Blake Smith. Uh, so you can find the podcast at monstertalk.org. Uh, we've also got a, a YouTube channel now so that you can, uh, we've done a, a couple of series on there, a live, uh, a set of live shows and uh, another show called The Based on a True Story, which is about looking at movies like The Exorcist and uh, horror movies and films about ghosts and stuff like that and trying to look at the, the folklore and to see if there's any truth to the, the supposed true stories behind the movies. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. So <laughs> the Winchester movie would have counted for that. <laughs> and I think we're going to have to tackle that one because absolutely it falls into that category. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very terrible, so... <laughs> Yeah, not much truth to it. <laughs> no, well, I'm sure I'll bring it up several times while we're talking about this. Okay, Paige, did anything spooky happen to you in the last week? I don't think so, other than um, this isn't really spooky at all. It's just one of those stupid stories I'm going to tell. Last night, we were getting set up for dinner and we were eating out uh, on the couch in our basement. And my dog likes to chew on her toy, like half under the coffee table, like half with her butt sticking out. <laughs> and I had to go get something. So I was stepping over her, which I do, you know, every day. And at the exact same time that I was going to step over her, Elliot decided was the appropriate time to like move the coffee table for some unknown reason. <laughs> so he moved the coffee table, Ari stood up, I was stepping over her, and both of my feet got stuck on like the other side of her. And I just like straight up like, I mean, totally busted my ass. Oh, on no. the basement floor <laughs> i went like knee and elbow directly into the floor and then fell onto my hip and like here's here's oh. what's spooky about it i'm not 16 <laughs> anymore and i really hurt today <laughs> oh. sorry <laughs> so basically you're something spooky is 
I'm old. <laughs> Realizing that you're getting old. <laughs> yeah, I've been basically tricky for a while. Then <laughs> <laughs> contemplating your own mortality. Right. <laughs> so that's mine. What do you got, Megan? Great. Okay, I have two things. <laughs> so one is sort of a kid say the darndest things sort of thing because this is a couple of weeks ago, and I honestly I can't even remember what we were talking about, but I think my daughter was talking about making some sort of art or something or like working on something at school. And she said that she was making it for her other parents. (laughs) And she's only like two and a half. So she's like, oh, I'm making this for my other parents. And we're like, who are your other parents? And she says, oh, it's the eagle and the black one. And we're like, wow, are you talking about? And we're like, well, where do your other parents live? And she said, they live in my room. (laughs) That's creepy. I know. So we like, we cannot figure out what it was. Like, I don't know if like, I don't know. We can't figure it out. It must have been some story or something. She heard at daycare and then latched onto it. Like, I don't know if the black one, like is supposed to be like a crow or something because it's bird themed. I don't know. (laughs) Has she talked about it again since then? She has not, but, you know, I'm not bringing it up again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird thing for her to say. (laughs) Like, okay, (laughs) that's great. But my other thing is that a friend shared a news story from a hundred years ago, uh, or I guess it was like remembering something that happened 100 years ago but today is February 22nd 2022 Mm -hmm. and we had a small ice storm come through last night and apparently on February 22nd 1922 there was a huge ice storm in this part of Wisconsin so (laughs) sort of a weird coincidence that they happened exactly 100 years apart (laughs) well it's it's also like especially weird because we get a lot of snow in this area but there's not normally these types of ice storms so karen do you have anything spooky to share that has happened to you recently i really had to think on my feet for this one being unprepared (laughs) um so i think the the spookiest thing that's happened to me in the past week or so um one night i woke up it's maybe about 2 a.m and uh, i heard a weird scratching noise uh, in no. the bedroom, and I thought, did I just dream that, or, or did that really happen? And so I just stayed as quiet as I could, and and then I heard it again about five minutes later, uh-huh. and then it started getting louder and more insistent, and then I started hearing something. It sounded like it was running across the roof, but it sounded very <gasps> heavy. It, I mean, we have had raccoons around here before, and yeah. I I thought, oh, it's those bastards again but uh, (laughs) it sounded louder I mean it almost sounded like um you know like a human and then I thought I was hearing multiple things or people or something and and just thinking (laughs) am I just tripping am I am I still dreaming so I woke my husband up Matt he's been he's talked with us before um and uh on the show I'm hasn't he I think yeah 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 (laughs) And, and um Anyway, so this is the scary part. Anyway, um, I got him to go outside to see what was going on, and he was just wearing his underpants. So that's the great creepiest part of history. So he goes outside, and it is a couple of uh, two or three cats 
uh, feral cats. And we have a cat, um, a kind of uh, part Siamese cat. Her name's Fanny. And <laughs> she, she's attracting these feral cats outside. And oh, no. She was running upstairs and downstairs and looking <gasps> out the window. And that's why they were kind of running across the roof. Um, oh. It sounded like something much bigger and heavier, especially when you wake up and it's early in the morning and you're half asleep. Right. So, <laughs> pretty spooky at the time. And, you know, Matt goes outside and sees these, you know, cat cat's eyes staring at him. And so was, <laughs> certainly gave us all a shock, but we were glad that it wasn't the raccoons anyway. Yeah, it was just cats. <laughs> just cats. Yeah. Well, like Paige said, like somebody said, I don't know, Paige, me, someone, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Winchester mansion. And I think more so we're going to focus on the owner, Sarah, mm-hmm. but we're going to tackle this more or less in three parts. So first talk about uh, Sarah Winchester's background and the building of the Winchester mystery house. And then we'll talk about sort of the legend, the folklore, the haunting stuff, and then jump into some misconceptions and debunking. But I did want to put a little warning in here that we'll at least briefly be talking about pregnancy loss and child loss. So if you are particularly sensitive to those issues, this might be one that you want to skip or at least skip sort of the next part. But we will go ahead and dive right into the background of the the mansion itself. And you'll hear us sort of bounce it back and forth between calling it the Winchester Mansion and calling it the Winchester Mystery House. I believe that the name the Winchester Mystery House is, has kind of become just like the what, what it's been marketed as because now it's like a tourist attraction. So the mansion itself is a really beautiful 160 room, 24,000 square foot Victorian mansion located about an hour south of San Francisco in San Jose, California. Nowadays, it is a huge tourist attraction and is considered one of the most haunted homes in the US, which like <laughs> never heard that before. <laughs> Aren't they all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every place is. But I think I think what's interesting with this place is that uh, it, it wasn't originally known for uh, being haunted by ghosts. It was more the story. More is that Sarah Winchester herself was haunted. Yes, than the right. but there are still lots of claims of people going there and experiencing all different kinds of phenomena. Yes, and it hasn't stopped like various various ghost hunting shows and stuff from going there so (laughs) (laughs) of course not (laughs) for decades uh i think it was back in the 70s or 80s that uh sylvia brown did a seance there and so it's really attracted i mean in in recent years ghost hunters and ghost adventures but certainly in the past some of the big name psychics and mediums were going there as well now if you've never seen the house like i said i think it's very I think it's really pretty. And mm. we will post a couple photos of it. So that way, if you haven't seen it, you can. But I just like when I look at this, what I really want to happen with this house is I want them to turn it into a really awesome haunted bed and breakfast. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool to be able to stay there. Although put in the notes that you'd probably need a lot of liability insurance for like 
doorways to nowhere and (laughs) (laughs) stairways to nowhere. Exactly. (laughs) You didn't explain to the insurance company, like, oh, I lost one of my guests. (laughs) (laughs) And so Karen, you said that you, you have been there three times. So what, I guess, what's it like in person? Cause I've never been. Well, I, I think I was just a kid, uh, maybe about eight or nine. And I saw an episode of, I think it was uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. And they featured the sh- the house. And I just remember thinking, I'm going to go and see that place when I get older. That is just so cool. <laughs> Seeing the stairway to nowhere and the door to nowhere. And uh, so, yeah, when I moved out to the Bay Area, heard about the place and remembered that I'd always wanted to see it. And uh, so I've been there three times and uh, over the course of almost two decades now. So the one thing I will say is that it's really gone up in price to go through the place. Oh, really? <laughs> Look at it. Yeah. But it is, it's an incredible place, beautiful gardens. Uh, it used to have about 500 rooms, but now there's, as you said, about 160 rooms. And wow. they, they take you through maybe about two thirds of the house. Uh, So you you do get to see a large section of it and you can go and have a look at the grounds as well because they used to have an orchard there. Um, So, I mean, most people go there for the tour of the house, but you can also do a historical tour. So I've done both. And you you actually can stay there, can't you, for like a night? I know that they've had uh, like ghost hunting tours at night and flashlight tours. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I don't think you can stay there. I know that uh, I think ghost adventures – they stayed there overnight and a few people have, have been able to do that. But usually it's if you've got a TV crew with you. Got it. <laughs> gotcha. One thing I was going to ask is, Karen, so you haven't been there in the context of like doing any sort of paranormal ghost hunting stuff then? Uh, I wish that I could have, but they just mm-hmm. don't allow that sort of thing again unless you're part of uh, some you know, TV show. Um, yeah, they won't let you through. I I've heard that if you do want to do any kind of investigation there, that it costs thousands of dollars. Holy uh, and cow! A few other places like Myrtle's Plantation uh, yeah. in Louisiana, they do the same thing as well. So I think it's gotcha. just kind of um, you know, people connected to that sort of thing. But to just go through, you know, they they don't allow photography. You know, there's just no way that you could do any kind of proper investigation. Okay, so no, you didn't see any ghosts then. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. But there are lots of stories about people that uh, they've got lots of old uh, uh, portraits on the walls and people will say that they've seen people from the portraits on the grounds like, oh. uh, you know, maids and carpenters and grounds people that they've seen them around and other people claim that they've heard their voice called out or they have felt someone tapping them on the shoulder or that they've even seen Sarah herself. All the usual stuff. Footsteps. Oh, all yeah. the usual stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can imagine in a place like that, I mean, footsteps everywhere all the time. Right. Yeah. It's sort of like a, well, I imagine it's like a little twisty turny inside. So I could imagine it would be sort of disorienting and you might feel like you're hearing something or whatever that you're not actually hearing. So Absolutely. And they take they take people through in these big groups, maybe about mm-hmm. 15, 20 at a time. And you've got another group that's hot on the heels of you that's coming through. It's just when they do the tours as well, uh, the, it's usually teenagers who are guiding them and uh, they're very robotic and they just tell you this scripted story. <laughs> and it, it's telling all of the folklore. It's not telling the truth. 
Gotcha. Well, someday, Paige. We'll oh, go. yeah. We're definitely going. <laughs> yeah. Stephen yeah. was very interested. He was like, can you go here for real? And I was like, yeah, you can go tour the house. It's a real place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's been open to the public for almost 100 years now. Yeah. They've been, they've been profiting off of poor Sarah for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Paige, you're going to keep us going with some background about Sarah and how the house was built. Yeah. So when the house was first built, it was really built, it was constructed as a much smaller eight-bedroom farmhouse. And it really wasn't until 1884 when Sarah bought it that the farmhouse vision changed. All right, so who is Sarah Winchester and why Why the big house? So Sarah was born Sarah Lockwood Party and was born in New Haven, Con- Connecticut in 1839. Very smart woman. And as a kid, she apparently learned like four languages and was really good in math and science and apparently did wonderfully in musical composition. Many considered her a child prodigy. So in 1862, um, Sarah marries William Winchester, and this is the Winchester family of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Um, So if you know of the Winchester Rifles, this is that family. Unfortunately, in 1881, William passes away after a battle with tuberculosis, and this is all shortly after losing William and Sarah's first and only child. Um, So after his passing, Sarah inherits what I read was about $20 million and moves to California to be near her family. And this is really when the legend of the Winchester Mystery House and um, everything else we're going to talk about, that's when this all gets started. And I read $20 million in several places as well. And that is equal to about $500 million today. (laughs) So... She had a lot of money. She also inherited a 50% stake in the Winchester Arms Company that gave her a continuous income of about $1,000 a day, which is about $26,000 in today's money per day. So yeah, she could she could be Scrooge McDucking it into piles of money if she wanted to do that. <laughs> and yeah, you'll, you'll sense a theme as we go through this. Because I'm just going to already start emphasizing that this is a woman who is grieving and has just inherited a very large sum of money that she is in total control of at the time. So and at a time when that's not necessarily the norm. And I think it was listening to the criminal podcast episode about the Winchester house and Sarah Winchester and them talking about her losing her husband and their child like just absolutely broke my heart and the fact that she had had several miscarriages before she was able to carry uh, her daughter Annie to term and then Annie ended up having like some condition where she basically just wasted away it was just it's just the worst like i just feel so terrible for her could i add to um, that she lost her mother around the same time too, and oh. also, also her father-in-law. So oh, there wow. were all of these deaths in quick succession. Yeah, and I pretty much think that she was like, she just sort of decided like, well, I'm in mourning now, and that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> so, Which like, yeah, me too. 
Yeah, you know? right. I was like, oh, I don't think many of us would react very differently to that situation. So after, like I said, all of the this tragedy she goes through, she ends up making the move to California. And that's when she purchases the farmhouse and the land it sits on. Now, during her time in the house, uh, she ends up putting millions of dollars into construction. And the final product is the 24,000 square foot home I mentioned at the beginning, 160 rooms. I read 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, and 47 stairways and fireplaces. Like, this is a big place. Three elevators as well. And people during that time start to claim that, like, the construction never stops. And they say it's, like, 24-7, never-ending construction. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where, like, the whole mythology behind the house starts because her neighbors start to get you know they start to gossip and stuff because she wasn't exactly great at like being social with people (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's a it's a myth that construction was nonstop 24 7 uh it's just her neighbors or newspapers you know making up stories or sensationalizing things and i just wanted to mention as we said earlier she was very smart she purportedly had an interest in architecture and was like helping to draft a lot of the plans. She loved technology. So things like the elevators, which were like pretty new at the time, and a few other features, like people sort of found strange that she was including all this like newfangled stuff in her house. But her and William, her husband, had worked on designing and building other projects when he was alive. So I had heard it speculated that it was possible that this was like a way for her to continue to feel connected to him. She came from a family of woodworkers. So it's like she might have just like liked the project and it was a way to keep busy, you know, after she experienced all this loss. Absolutely. And I should um, add to that when you're there, they tell you that uh, the the construction was nonstop 24-7, as you said. (laughs) And they they tell you that uh, the moment that she died, they stopped, the, the carpenters stopped hammering nails into the building and that you can still see some of the nails half stuck out where they, they stopped their work. Oh, my oh gosh. goodness. <laughs> the drama. Oh, yeah, they, they lay it on thick. <laughs> it was sort of my impression that, like, yeah, reading articles about this, you had to sort of, like, read around the tourist attraction stuff stuff that the Definitely. the people are telling people at the mansion and yeah, yeah. versus like what actually happened which is yeah. a bummer but <laughs> <laughs> so all of that stuff combined with there being windows looking into rooms which I don't know why that's something that is like mentioned every time I look at an article or like read about this house it's not that bizarre to have a window looking into a room it's really not. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this. And then, like, I don't know how accurate some of the sets were in the movie. Like, I know they filmed some of the exterior shots of, like, the Winchester movie at the house itself and then built sets for the interior. But, like, to me, it looked like there were just, like, like there were windows in the ceilings, but it's, like, they were, like, skylights. So, like, my guess mm. is these were, like, interior rooms that couldn't have 
windows to the outside. So they like put ones to a level above that had natural light coming in or something like that. So yeah, that's my guess. I don't know. People were, I, I noticed that too, that people were really crazy about that. And it's like, well, they're probably just trying to get light in there. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, a lot of these strange features. And when you go through there, aside from the stairway to nowhere and the door to nowhere, there are lots of strange features. There's plumbing on the outside. As you said, there are <laughs> windows just on the floors and you've got tiny miniature doors and you've got other doors that just open out to to nothing nothing inside yeah yeah. uh so you have all of these strange features and so i the the spoiler at this point is that uh, a lot of these features were added after she died oh so there was uh, i'm trying to think of his name um, there was a carpenter, it was James Perkins or something, and he had worked for her for decades. And when the Brown family bought the place and turned it into a tourist attraction, he said they've added some of these strange features. So other strange features I'm sure we'll get to shortly are a result of some natural activity that took place there. But uh, a lot of a lot of strange things that are in there that make her seem crazy uh, were yeah. just added added by the family to uh, to kind of add authenticity to the story and the folklore. Well, Great. here's my thing is like knowing that and knowing there were probably some unusual things about the house even before that. It's like she was, like you said, interested in architecture. Like who's to say that she wasn't just like, you know, let's make this an experiment. Like let's just like a fun experiment. Like let's yeah. put some weird stuff in here and see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does, yeah. cool. Like, I don't know. It's just, I just don't think it's weird. I don't know. None of this yeah. stuff really bothers yeah. me, I guess. Yeah. And I guess I didn't even actually read anywhere that some of the stuff had been added after the fact. So I'm glad you added that, Karen, because I had just read that like some of the stuff like windows to, you know, windows on the, not windows, like stairways to nowhere and doors to nowhere and stuff like that were because they had just decided to like close off portions of the house, Mm -hmm. like rather than rebuild them after the 1906 earthquake. Right. Yeah. And that is true for a lot of those features. Uh, So she, she was still living there at that point. Mm-hmm. At 1906 and uh, was living in the house when the earthquake took place. Yeah. And apparently she said afterwards that the house looked like it had been built by a crazy person uh, because <laughs> it was just so uh, – it had been destroyed by the earthquake. Yeah. And so they yeah. actually blocked off whole sections of the house um, and the, the, the door to nowhere used to have a balcony. Uh, so that's, uh-huh. that's what explains that, that eight-foot drop. Yeah, and the stairway to nowhere used to go to a room, and then yeah. the, I think they had seven floors, seven sorry, seven stories, and about uh, three of those just collapsed during yeah. the earthquake. Yeah. So they just blocked off about thirty rooms, and she moved from that point as well. And she had about twelve properties around the Bay Area, so <laughs> she she didn't live there any longer. I think she visited weekly or every couple of weeks, but uh, yeah. she. She had caretakers on the premises at that point, and she didn't really do much building from then on. You hear people say she was working on the house for 38 years. That's just not true. She stopped after the earthquake. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. And like didn't even live there for the last 15 years of her life. So it's like, no. oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I guess there's some other weird things about the house. Like there's something about the number 13, like some sort of motif repeating in various designs. And she's got like some sort of odd Shakespeare slightly spooky Shakespeare quotes on a couple of windows and stuff but I don't know I think she's probably just a little eccentric and like that's that's not a bad thing and an artist like right I just the 13 motif was added by the new owners as well oh Oh, really I I think that the palm trees yeah and it's spoilers all over the place but I think she had she could have had 13 palm trees but then they added some really ridiculous features. Uh, I'm sure we're going to start talking about the seance, supposed seance room. That yeah. there are 13 <laughs> hooks on the wall for the 13 robes that she would wear during her seances. And, <laughs> and there's this big sink that has 13 holes in it. And you can see that they've been drilled by a modern drill. I mean, there's, she, there's no way that she did that. Again, uh, yeah. as you, you were saying, she was an interested interested in architecture and design so, you know, a lot of these kind of shabby things that they've done, for example, there's a chandelier and they say that it, it arrived, it was uh, an antique or it came from Germany and it arrived with only 12 of the uh, the jets on it, the uh, kind of gas jets. And yeah. so she hastily added a 13th one. And when you see it, it's just so tacky. There's absolutely no way. I mean, this woman, was a, she was a woman of style and taste. She wouldn't have yeah. done that herself. And so a lot of these yeah. things that are coming in 13s are just things that they've added afterwards. I mean, they even say that on her will, she signed it 13 times. And that's not true. Either. <laughs> yeah. I just want yeah. to make it sound superstitious. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much the story with, or I, I guess the way to wrap up this, this sort of section on who Sarah was and how the house was built and everything is okay. She's been through something really tragic. She basically, I mean, I think she more or less did commit to living in mourning for like the rest of her life. And she's often like, I think the only picture of her that exists is one where she's wearing sort of a black uh, dress like they would, but like she more or less, less just decides like to keep to herself and to do whatever she wants with her money. And that like absolutely blows people's minds. So they say that she's, unhinged and that she's like some crazy person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one article that I read by a woman named Meg Conley just had this great way of putting it. So I wanted to read the quote from that article. So she says, if there's one thing we love more than a haunted house, it's a haunted woman. Houses are haunted because of things that happened in them. Women are haunted because of things they've done or things they've let happen. A haunted woman gets what she deserves in the in the next life, in this one. And my goodness, we love to watch a woman getting what she deserves. <laughs> and I'm going to put a link to that article like right in the show notes because it is so beautifully written and like perfectly encapsul- encapsulates how I ended up feeling about Sarah Winchester and just like her life and her story. To add to that, I will just say that like even if she was a bit odd, like even if this house project was a bit weird, it's not like the super rich aren't out there doing weird shit today. <laughs> like, 
Jeffrey Bezos <laughs> is blasting himself off into space into in a penis shaped rocket. Uh, Elon Musk is like, I don't know, planning on escaping to Mars or building some sort of like insane underground tubing transportation system that like sounds like it would suck your insides out if it failed. <laughs> And like she was, Sarah was smart and interested in architecture and like all the stories about her are like she was just some crazy grief stricken woman. And I think her grief probably played a role in like the later years of her life. But I guarantee that if she were a man, people would like they would just say like, oh, she's just she's an eccentric genius. Like mm -hmm. they would not be so shitty to her. And like I just I, in the notes, I just put yes. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. So next we are going to talk about, which we started talking about a little bit, but <laughs> the the sort of the legend of of this being a haunted house and how this comes to be known as one of the most haunted houses in the U.S. This is all happening at a time, and, and Karen, I'm hoping maybe you can speak a little bit more to this, but mm -hmm. um, a time where spiritual mediums are really starting to gain popularity. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she started building this house a around the time that uh, spiritualism really became very popular. And so, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you want to get into this at this point, because there's a lot of kind of crossing over with uh, the the theories here but mm -hmm. uh yeah absolutely there's there the main story is that she had visited a psychic medium in boston and mm -hmm. his name apparently was adam coons as the story goes and uh this psychic said that uh she was cursed because she belonged to the family the winchester um, family who had created this rifle and it had killed so many people and so many animals and um, that they were, I mean, there's two, two stories here. One is that uh, she was told to go eat, go west and to build a house either to house all of the spirits of those who died at the hands of the rifle or <laughs> that she was to build this house to get away from the spirits and mm. she needed to spend her entire life just adding to this house and and as long as she did that she wouldn't die but if she stopped building then she would die and that's mm -hmm. why there's this belief that she was building 24 7 exactly yeah and um so i put a little bit of the history in here with that particular because it was the winchester model 30 or 73 which is the gun that that people are now kind of associate with this story because mm -hmm. It became very it was became very popular at that time and it was pretty unique in that it was one of the first reliable lever action rifles. And so it was pretty much like the first repeating gun or repeater gun that was that got popular. It was one of the first ones that you could have, you know, several uh shots in in a magazine. And because of that and because it became so popular, it 
ended up becoming or it became marketed as this like the gun that won the West. And it was produced with several variations of barrel lengths and cartridge sizes. And uh, you could put similar caliber uh, cartridge or there was a similar caliber car- cartridges used in handguns. So people could carry only one type of ammunition. So anyways, it becomes very, very popular. And mm-hmm. there are like 720,000 uh, model 1873s that are sold by 1923. And you know, because of this, I guess she's supposed to have some, the idea is that people think she has some sort of like guilt or right. is being like, like Karen said, haunted essentially by the spirits of the people who are killed by this rifle. Yeah. And if I could add here too, the Winchesters didn't actually invent the firearm at all. They invested in these firearms. Right. But that actually, that actually made the money in the shirt making business. So it was a pretty oh. innocuous thing. And they, didn't only make rifles and shirts, but they also made silverware and flashlights and uh, garden tools and even irons and rolling skate roller skates. Uh, and they had, as I've mentioned already, orchards there. And they used to grow apricots and almonds and walnuts. And so they would package fruit and other things too. So it wasn't just rifles that uh, were their business. Right. But she, yeah, you know, it, it, you can't be haunted by the, the spirits of the, the uh, roller skates. <laughs> not, not as scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this sort of supernatural aspect to this starts pretty early. So the house she starts building in what year page? 1884. Uh, eight- 80, I think that sounds right. Yeah, 1884. Yeah, 1884. And in 1895, you have an article appear in the San Francisco Chronicle that has some of the aspects that are sort of the foundation of the legend that you hear today. So this never-ending construction, if she stops, she'll die. And I think there's a lot of stuff bouncing around in various papers at that point that portray her building this home as like a symbol of wastefulness and excess, which is, you know, sort of in line with what was going on in the country at the time. And I think, Karen, you noted that the San Jose Herald ran a story about her as well. Yeah, I think this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, So we were already talking about spiritualism, but there were a lot of people in the Bay Area who were into that movement at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, The the founder of uh, Stanford University, Leyland Stanford, uh, he was into uh, spiritualism as well. And um, so anyway, I mean, yeah, this is the, the tricky part of it. The owners of the newspapers at the time, the main newspapers, there was the San Jose Mercury and the San Jose Herald. They were the uh, the Hayes family. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but um, they owned these newspapers and they were running these stories about Sarah Winchester but the mm-hmm. ironic thing is their mother was actually a faith healer and she was into spiritualism and she'd founded oh. this church called the True Life Church. And so she was really into all of these things that they were claiming Sarah Winchester was into. And huh. there's no evidence mm-hmm. that she was a spiritualist at all. In fact, she yeah. was a, an Episcopalian, a practicing <laughs> Episcopalian instead. And uh, so a number of people have came out after her death. One person was her uh, private secretary and companion. Her name was Henrietta Severia, I think. And she 
said, yeah, there's no way that she was into these kinds of things. They just made this stuff up and really based it on their mother. So um, oh. the mother was uh, Mary Folsom Hayes Chenoweth. Mm. And so, yeah, she she was into all of these things. And where it gets extra interesting is that these kinds of houses or the, the um, sorry, the, the Winchester Mystery House, as it's known today, was actually a trend of the time. So there were other houses at the time that looked like that. So if you go and look up the Hayes Mansion, it looks different today. I think it burnt down at the turn of the century, and so they rebuilt it, and it looked a lot more modern. But at the time, it was a Queen Anne-style building, and it had something like 60 rooms. And (laughs) if you look at pictures of the house, you could be mistaken for thinking that it's the Winchester Mystery House. It looks pretty much the same. And uh, it had its own library and school so it was a very yeah. large place and yeah, it was just a trend where people would try to outdo each other with these oversized, unique looking houses. So Sarah was really just following that trend because she was a woman of wealth and means and it wasn't like she was doing this because she was crazy. She was really just a wealthy person exerting her <laughs> fortune. Yeah, which, you know, is her right. <laughs> absolutely um, yeah yeah i looked up the hayes mansion and it's like yeah you could you could probably put them side by side yeah and oh, ask yeah. people like which one is which hey i don't think would know it looks really similar it's got the same style that castle style with the turret yeah looking at even just the picture of just the picture of the the winchester house is like i mean it's a pretty stylish looking house and yeah it very much matches the type of architecture that was being built at the time absolutely and there were were other houses that were like that too so again yeah they really you know make that out to be part of her you know being eccentric but it was just kind of common thing at the time for wealthy women to do yeah wealthy people yeah. so that's the legend right she sees a medium that she has to keep building the house or she has to build the house for the spirits and that's basically the gist of the winchester movie is they basically take everything about the house that is weird and everything about the sort of like haunting legend and the fact that she's like haunted by the spirits of the people who were killed by the Winchester rifle. And they're like, Oh, she's not crazy, but it's because all of that stuff is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the gist of the movie. <laughs> like, oh, <Okay. laughs> um, yes. And I'm like pretty sure the implication by the end of it was like that an angry ghost called the net caused the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. So I call shenanigans on that. Um. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a claim too uh, that I think they tell at the house that uh, the the spirits were very angry around that time of the earthquake that she was nearing completion on the home and so that they sent that earthquake. No, so that's actually something they say on the tour. Oh, Jesus I, I Christ! Think, yeah, I think I heard it on one of the times I went. <laughs> <laughs> They keep adding to the story over the years. No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Great. Well, we've already touched on some of this stuff, but yeah, now we can, now we can move into phase three. (laughs) Just like, let's talk about (laughs) how much of this stuff (laughs) is bullshit. (laughs) We'll just, we'll just sort of go through this point by point. So first and foremost, like Karen mentioned there's no record of her ever meeting with a medium 
So we can sort of just like scratch that off. And, you know, you said according to her former maid, she's like, no, this would not have been a thing that she was into. <laughs> so- yeah. Well, it seems like the, the medium story can be traced back to a book that was written about the house and Sarah in the 1960s. Gotcha. Okay. So there is also um, people talk about, and I think at the time, you know, when they were sort of using her building the house as like this, you know, it's a symbol of like her excess and her wealth and all this stuff and, and making it sound like it was a bad thing. So people would say like, oh, she spent all of her money on this house. And in reality, she spent about $5 million, which is a lot. I saw figures like up to about $70 million in today's money. So it was very expensive to build, but it was not the majority of her $20 million fortune or her stake in the Winchester Arms Company. And importantly, most of her fortune during her life and then also after she died went towards philanthropy. And it sounded like she helped to take care of her sisters financially and their children and paid for um, either their their children's education and stuff. So she was a very caring person for her family and was like, she was doing a lot to take to try to take care of other people. And as we've already touched on a couple times, the construction on the house was not endless. Uh, there are records of it stopping and starting throughout the time she owned it. And some of the correspondence indicates that she was basically just trying to keep the people working on the home employed. So in 1893 really marked the beginning of a time of economic hardship for the U.S. where unemployment hit 40% in some states. And so Sarah had a lot of empathy for people, as Megan already talked about. I mean, she just wanted to help people out. And so a lot of modern historians think that, like I said, she was just trying to keep people employed. Um, and she was said to be very kind to her staff and that she would give or that she gave a portion of her estate when she passed away to them. She did established a hospital. Um, I think it's part of the Yale New Haven Hospital today. And it, she'd established this for uh, to, to research tuberculosis because her husband and her father-in-law had both died of tuberculosis. So yeah, she was a real benefactor and um, just as you were saying, uh, as you were both saying, gave a lot of money away to various charities. And apparently she was just a really generous uh, employer as well. There's a lot of folklore saying that she was a very cruel employer and that she, uh, if anyone would ever talk about her, she would dismiss them on the spot and that she has all of these spy holes throughout the house to be able to spy on her oh. workers. And it doesn't seem like any, any of that is true that, uh, I mean, until quite recently, there were people around who knew her and they said that she was just very kind, very generous. Um, She just kept to herself because uh, she, uh, I don't know when you want to get into this, but she had a couple of conditions that made her really turn to her into a recluse. She had problems with rheumatoid arthritis and she'd lost a lot of her teeth. So she always wore a veil. So she didn't like to socialize with other people. She's just really kept to herself. And yeah. um, That's why she didn't like people to take photographs of her. Yeah, yeah. We could talk a little bit about that, I guess, with this next point, which is, so there are some things that we already talked about that people find odd about the house, but aren't 
that weird when you consider them in context. And some of those things, it sounds like we're just like added by the carnies who bought it (laughs) after (laughs) she died. So like, well, okay, that's not weird. That's just them, you know, turning it into a tourist attraction. But Mm -hmm. uh, the very tight staircases, for example, with like switchbacks after just a few steps were built specifically to accommodate her because she was only four foot 10. So she was a very tiny woman. And like Karen mentioned, had severe arthritis. So it's just like she's building the house for herself and like to have custom features for herself like you would if you had half a billion dollars to, you know, build yourself a house that you wanted to live in. (laughs) But there is there is one theory that those switchback stairs that they were created to slow down the spirits so that they couldn't oh, chase <laughs> Oh, I've heard this. <laughs> Ridiculous. Which, like, no, what spirits are taking the stairs? That's <laughs> yeah. my question. Yeah. You know? I don't know. All the ones in Phasmophobia seem to, like, actually take the stairs. So. <laughs> good point. Good point. Phasmophobia is the most yes, accurate. Yes, it's so accurate. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these weird features are like to slow down the ghosts or like make it tricky for them to get around. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, (laughs) yeah. And we already talked a little bit about other quirky features like, you know, stairways to nowhere, doorways to nowhere might have been they closed off portions of the house after the San Francisco earthquake, or like Karen said, I guess there's some stuff that was just added after the fact to like make her look crazier, Yep, mm-hmm. which is shitty. It, <laughs> it is. You know, I saw an interview with a, a woman who was a girl at the time uh, when Sarah Winchester was still alive and yeah. uh, I think she was a neighbor and she was asked, well, what do you think Sarah Winchester would think about all of these stories? And she said, well, she just would have been overjoyed at people uh, being interested in, in her. And if they were amused by this or they saw something in this, that that, that would have given her some happiness. And yeah. I can see that to a point. But to me, having an interest in history, uh, I, I think it's it's pretty annoying to think that there was this woman, she was so intelligent and she did so much. And it's just really sad that her uh, her history has just been destroyed in favor of this ridiculous folklore and urban legends. Yeah, I'd be pretty pissed if I'd done all this good for my community and like spent my money in ways to like help my family and everything. I think like everything just sort of like focuses on the oddities of the house and like mm-hmm. doesn't actually like focus on how great she was as a person. <laughs> Exactly. It just basically ignores that. So another great point that I saw was that the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, the time that, you know, they made the the model 73 or 83 or whatever it was that got so popular was in the late 1880s. Like this wasn't a gun fortune that was made in the 21st century. Like she likely had no qualms about how that money was made. So the whole thing about her feeling this like extreme guilt about where her money came from and that, you know, she was trying to make up for the fact that the Winchester rifle had killed so many people, I think is just like total bullshit. And it's like more Mm -hmm. just projecting like 
21st century ideas about guns and like the problems that we have with them now onto, you know, people who would not have thought about them that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. And none of the articles about Sarah and the house written during her lifetime mention ghosts beyond like potentially some medium stuff (laughs) that got thrown in there by the haze. They mostly just focus on the house's perceived oddness and her having too much money on her hands. But even like Karen said, the house might have not even been that weird. Like other people were building enormous sprawling houses as well. Yep. And when she dies, the house is purchased by John H. Brown, who is a man who worked in theme parks designing roller coasters. And apparently he was basically trying to rebuild his reputation after one of his rides killed a woman in Canada. So him and his wife decide to buy the Winchester mansion and turn it into a tourist attraction. Which, like, great. Man's reputation is on the rocks, so he fixes it by helping drive a dead woman's reputation into the ground. Yeah, I didn't know that. It was owned by a few other people after Sarah Winchester died, but I guess they just couldn't do anything with it. And so yeah. he he knew how to turn it around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very annoyed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then it is, uh, it's two years after Sarah's death, that newspapers start to write stories about the mansion being haunted. And that's when the stories about her doing seances start to appear. The only sort of note that I had about this was that what they call the seance room today on the tour, and that they say that Sarah used to go in there by herself and like, I don't know, apparently wear different robes and do these seances and like get orders on like how to build different rooms on the house in the house from the spirits (laughs) was like just the gardener's room (laughs) yeah i think it was it was um lived in by a couple of people who had all worked on the premises but it wasn't a seance room but there are all of these claims that she performed seances there every night at midnight and that uh, she even performed a seance with harry houdini who visited at some point and oh. Houdini did visit, but it was about mm. two years after her death. So the place was already opened up as a tourist attraction when he went there. Gotcha. And did he visit because like he, cause he was interested in sort of like the occult and supernatural stuff. So, but he was more interested in it from like debunking it, right? He was. Yeah. I, he was a magician and he knew how to do a lot of these things that the spiritualists were doing, um, but just through trickery. And so, yeah. yeah, he, I mean, it's a long story, but his mother, he loved his mother so much when she died. Uh, he, I think that they had some kind of plan that if she could possibly uh, come back, then uh, he would try to communicate with her. And so he really went after a lot of hucksters and spiritualists and people who were uh, doing seances with all the ectoplasm and, and that kind of thing and trying to <laughs> trying to expose them and debunk it. So I think in general yeah. he had an interest in that kind of thing and hearing the stories that the, the Brown family were telling about uh, Sarah Winchester. He wanted to go and check it out for himself, but he certainly didn't attend a seance with Sarah Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, do you know anything about, I guess, Houdini's impression of the house? Because I feel like I only saw one mention of it and it made it sound like 
that that particular story made it sound like Houdini was like, yeah, it's definitely haunted. But I was like, oh, I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a believer in things like that because yeah. <laughs> he'd really just gone after people that made all kinds of unscientific claims. So he was a very early skeptic. Um, yeah. So I, I've never read anything about what he thought about the place, but I'm sure, I mean, even though we debunk these kinds of things, we're still interested in them. So I think he was probably taking a, a similar stance you just yeah. wanted to go and, and see the place uh, as an yeah. oddity rather than yeah. believing that there was anything haunted about the, yeah. the place or it's the like, woman. It's like I said, we'd go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like waiting for the day that we get to go. So since then, uh, there have been several movies, books, and I even found a musical made about Sarah Winchester's story. Many of which, you know, tell the story of the legend, but many tell the story of Sarah Winchester and the intelligent, good-hearted woman that she was. So, Karen, do you have any final thoughts before I sort of do my little wrap-up on Sarah Winchester that you want to talk about? Uh, well, I, I've i been really interested in this story for so long, and when I first went to the house, I believed in all of the stories, or it didn't necessarily believe that that's how things happened, but that she was a haunted woman and that she believed she was cursed and mm -hmm. that she'd, uh, you know, basically what they tell you there, that that's what you're inclined to believe. And uh, so I remember writing an article about this almost two decades ago now and telling that kind of party line. And then yeah. over the years doing more investigation and finding out that there's, uh, that this is absolutely not the way that things went and uh, so I did write a chapter on this topic for my book, Haunting America. But there's another oh. book that I really want to recommend to people too. It's called Captive of the Labyrinth, Sarah Winchester, Heiress to the Rifle Fortune. And it's by a historian. She lives in the Bay Area. Her name's Mary Jo Ignofo. And she really debunks all of the claims and she gives the history and tells uh, the, the truth about this amazing woman. And uh, I think really does a greater service to her her legend and her legacy than all of the stories that are told at the Winchester Mystery House. So I'd, if you're interested in the historical aspects of this woman mm -hmm. and her house, you should definitely read this book. Yeah. So a couple of things that I wanted to, I guess, leave you guys with before we do our wrap up. So first, I have to read a final quote from that Meg Conley article because I loved it so much. So she says, I must face that the reason I love Sarah so much is because well, I do think she was a haunted woman. I love a haunted woman too. She was not haunted by spirits, but haunted in the way so many of us are. A woman who has endured miscarriages, who has held her baby while she literally wasted away, and who has buried a husband is a woman haunted by sorrow. A woman who chooses to build what she likes, who does not court popular opinion, who establishes borders and decides who will cross them, is a woman haunted by rumor. A woman who creates anything that outlasts her is a woman haunted by later generations determined to profit off the flattening of her full life. So I love that article so much. <laughs> Really nicely said. <laughs> yes. And so everyone should just go go to the show notes and read that. I, I joked with Paige. I was like, can I just read this out loud for 
<laughs> the episode <laughs> and like <laughs> just have that <laughs> be the episode. Um, yes. And then second, I wanted to leave everyone with a final story that is told on tours of the Winchester house. So Karen, you can confirm if this is true or not. But it's said that they discovered a safe that was nested within two more safes in one of Sarah's favorite rooms of the house. And inside that final safe, they found William and Annie's obituaries and a lock of hair from each of them, hmm. which uh, in the words of Chidi from The Good Place, this broke me. <laughs> If it's true. <laughs> and I don't know uh, if that's true or not. I've certainly heard that. Uh, I yeah. mean, the thing, the thing that I question is that their little girl died at, I think, about the age of uh, one month. And I'm just yeah. wondering if she would have had, I mean, certainly there are kids who are born with hair. Um, yeah. When my my son was born, he was bald. And uh, it took quite <laughs> some time for hair to come through. So it is possible yeah, I just don't know. I haven't seen any photographs. I haven't seen any evidence of this. And it seems to me too that if she had a good relationship with her staff, I just don't think that they would have done her a disservice in that way to just go racing to this vault after she died. Um, so oh, I, sure. Yeah, I just I really can't comment as to whether that's true or not. Perhaps mm -hmm. there's some truth to it. Oh well, it's so it's just sad. I just I just it it makes me so sad that she was and continues to be so misunderstood and I guess my hope is just that like we could provide at least a little bit of <laughs> justice for her reputation or sort of add to the people who are finally trying to to get the real story out there um yeah. but also yeah. after she died her lawyer Samuel Lieb said is quoted as saying that Sarah was as sane and clear-headed a woman as I've ever known she had a better grasp of business and financial affairs than most men so yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, a number of people did come out after her death. I think her dentist as well. And as I mentioned earlier, her secretary, a whole bunch of people came out and said she was incredibly intelligent, level-headed yeah. and that none of the rumors were true. Yeah. I think it's just really important to spread the truth about this story. Yeah, that's right. Because she was awesome and she deserves to be remembered as, as a great totally. woman and just, you know, fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's my take home <laughs> I came back in at the perfect time <laughs> yeah. alright well that seems like a good a good stopping point then unless there's anything Karen that you wanted to add um, not really no I think we covered a lot of ground here but I mean yeah. there's so much, so much more to the story definitely if, if anyone's interested in this go and check out the book that I mentioned um, yeah and, yeah and, uh, don't just listen to the the folklore that's repeated yeah <laughs> for sure just go on the tour and verbally abuse the oh yeah argue with them for telling lies <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell them we said yeah. you yeah. exactly <laughs> we'd end up like kenny who's banned from zach bagan's museum we'll get banned from the winchester yeah i want to at least be inside of the house before we yeah. get banned from it yeah. We've been banned from a few places in our time too, so yeah. <laughs> I don't want the truth to get out. Yeah. I'm sure it's coming for us eventually. Yeah, yeah. that happens. 
All right. Well, Karen, thank you so much again for joining us. Oh, thank you for letting me be a part of this. It was good fun. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. We always have such a great time with oh, you. Oh, thank you. Love coming on the show. Before I wrap us up, is there any like anything you want to plug before I get off or any anything new you're working on? Um, oh, I'm working on a book about women's health at the moment. So it's kind of tangential to everything else. Oh, there else. you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, kind of folklore and urban legends connected to women's health but yeah if people want to go and check out uh, monster talk or go and check out haunting america i look at this story and and lots of other stories just like this other uh, famous hauntings around the country all uh, most haunted places in america yeah (laughs) (laughs) all righty then well that wraps up our episode on the winchester mystery house tune in for episode 43 on spooky volcanoes If you liked this, which is like, tune in for Megan's episode (laughs) on Spooky Volcano. (laughs) I will. (laughs) If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on TikTok at Spooky Science, Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod, Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookyScienceSisters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookyScienceSisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.